Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is the next episode of Walter Mitty. I'm your host or co-host, Brad Wexter. Well, welcome to um, episode. Uh, I'm not looking it up. I'm not looking it up. Welcome. Welcome. While he episode. waits, while he's looking, we'll wait with some drum tunes. Welcome to episode eight of Hugh Jackman. Yes. I am your host, Hugh Jackman. This is my co-host, Hugh Jackman. Say hello, Hugh. Hello, Hugh. Now, uh, today on episode eight, um, we're going to uh, discuss a new topic today. The new topic is Hugh Jackman. Okay. Oh, man, I think that was a spell lifting. Oh. As, wait, you mean like a spell? And by lift, you mean like lifting from a forklift? Speaking of forklift, have you seen The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Dude, I have. Should we make... I have. Yes. Should we make a film head about it? Yes. All right, let's do that then, okay? Here we go. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm trying to find the gong. Now, here we go. Okay, all right. Three, two, one. to Filmhead. Welcome. This is episode 8 of Filmhead, um, brought to you on a, a certain day. Um, this, is, this is April 19th. Um, this isn't episode 8, this is 9. Welcome to episode 9 of Filmhead. <laughs> Stop! I don't, <laughs> I don't want it. This, okay. This is episode nine of Filmhead, and um, today our movie is going to be the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes. Um, a kind of uh, a film phenomenon that's uh, kind of been tossed around lately because it recently came out on DVD and stuff. So it's oh, uh, it. it's a little in the yeah. So it's kind it's, of in the spotlight. Okay, that that works for me. Um. But it's been a little while since our last episode. Um, yes, our last one was on Man of Steel a while ago. Um, no, with this, with this is a very um, recent edition, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. We just recently did that Man of Steel review. It has not been that long. We have we have not been procrastinating. Well, I mean, because we usually do these daily, and that one took like yes. <laughs> that one took like we we took a break basically because it was a weekend. Yeah, Memorial Day or something. I don't even know. I got drunk, but St. Patrick's Day. St. Drunk. 
the St. Drunken's Day. The movie we're going to review today is Walter Mitty. But first, what have you been? Yeah, let's not do all that. <laughs> just go to the movie. Okay. People don't give a crap. We're going to start. Um, actually, so, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Just, just a, a small, a small update, okay? Just. But what have I been watching? No, no. Um, talk about uh, your little, um, your oh, little yes. project you're doing. I'm, uh, I'm working on a short film called uh, Yard of the Month, which is the tale of a family and their ugly, disgusting yard, and the mother who was very upset that her father, or husband, excuse me, uh, won't even, you know, spruce it up and make it look nice. So it's about this little family of three and their enjoyment. And uh, <clears throat> I, I don't even know why I said enjoyment. And their escapades of dealing with uh, the yard. My description for that was pretty terrible, but the movie is destined to be hit. A hit. A hit. A hit. <laughs> yes, look, yes, look forward on the uh, the YouTubes. And I have uh, several recommendations for movies. Okay. Uh, number one is The Taking of Pelham 123, the 1974 version. Okay. The Thief of Baghdad from 1940. Okay. The Adventures of Robin Hood from 1938. Now I have a movie that I don't recommend, and that is God's Not Dead. On to the review! On to the review! Yes. Okay, uh, Alex, what have you been up to? I haven't been up to much. I've been uh, been working on a short story that I'm going to try to... I'm almost done with. I'm going to try to publish it in a magazine if I can. What's the title of it? Um, The working title is either going to be... The Getaway. Or... The 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 escape. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> What's it about? Thank you. Um, it's uh, I'm not since it's a short story, I can't really like give you a synopsis that doesn't spoil the whole thing. So, uh, the themes in it are um, kind of a coming of age mixed with family, um, family troubles, mixed with a backdrop of. Needing to flee the country very quickly. That's mm-hmm. that's all I can really say. Um, look for it in in the next issue of Playboy, if all goes well. Uh, and uh, that's about all I've been doing. Oh, and I'm engaged. I'm going to get married. Thank you. You can. Thanks. <laughs> Take the soundboard away from Bradley. <laughs> Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty. Yes, so I'm engaged, and that's about all that's really happened of consequence. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're engaged. Yeah, I'm going to get married in September and hopefully be able to obtain a uh, a nice camera, which will help me with uh, my future filmmaking stuff. Uh, yes. Hopefully. That'd be cool. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the secret life of, of, of Wilfred McGinn. Oh, let me start off by saying one thing. Yes, Walter Mitty. Now, um, I'm going to point out one thing yeah. uh, before we really get into the, the depths of this film. Go for it. Uh, the I remember going to go see Jobs. 
the, uh, the Steve Jobs movie. It was Ashton, kind of a crummy. Ashton Kutcher one. Yes, it was, it was kind of crummy, but um, had a lot of breadcrumbs. <laughs> but wait, hold on. It had, it had a it uh it it had it, it had it had a lot of breadcrumbs. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, um, so I saw, but before the movie started, there was this trailer that came up, and I didn't know what the title was. I don't know what it was, but the trailer was amazing. It was fantastic. It was well shot. Had some great music, some great atmosphere. There's no dialogue in it, and I really didn't know what it was about. Exactly. But all it said is the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I was so excited. It's very vague. Um, then I saw the second trailer, and I went, "Oh, it's going to be that movie." Mm. I know what this movie's going to do now. <laughs> I'm not, I know. It's, like, it's because, coming. It's coming. Because when, when I saw it's Ben coming. Stiller. When I, it's coming. When I, when I saw that Ben Stiller made it. <laughs> I was, um, I, I, was a, <laughs> I was a little skeptical. <laughs> because I thought, oh, it's Ben Stiller, you know. He's, he's a weird, he's a weird kind of guy. I mean, I've never seen a movie he made. I saw a little bit of Tropic Thunder. But that was after um, Secret Life and Walter Mitty. Wait, so um, this isn't his directorial debut, is it? No, his his directorial debut was The Cable Guy, I think. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't um, direct that much, does he? No, that wasn't that wasn't his first movie. Excuse me. Direct directorial debut. Um, if hold on. Devoted his time to writing, fundraising, recruiting cast members, starring and directing Reality Bites. Uh, was that his first film? Hold on. I'm going to figure this out. Figure it out. <clears throat> um, you, you, you begin to kind of, you know what I was going to you know what I'm going to say. I, I, I really, what were you talking about? <laughs> uh, Danny DeVito. I, what about Danny DeVito? Come on. What are you talking about? Get with the freaking program. What about Danny DeVito? So anyway, Secret Life of Walter Mitty is the story of a young, uh, <laughs> introverted man who works at Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is they this new boss comes in and he starts telling everybody, Hey, everybody, we are no longer, we're going digital. So they decide, they start getting rid of the digital. And that means a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs and redoing stuff and all that. So it's pretty much the perfect setup for a movie that hipsters will certainly love. Mm -hmm. But the thing with Walter Mitty is he has a very broad imagination. He loves to think outside the box. And I mean box, I mean his his brain. His brain. (laughs) Because because he is always daydreaming. He has fantasies filled with heroism, romance, and action. When his job, along with that of his co-worker, are threatened, he takes action in the real world, embarking on a global journey that turns into an adventure more extraordinary than anything he could have ever imagined. I wish I could have told you I just made that up, but I was on IMDb. So, um, uh, I guess we'll start where? Um, okay, so I'm going to preface... So the story is about... No! Give me, no? give, give me my opportunity to talk, please. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. I knew you always wanted it. 
<laughs> and stop. Now, Ben Stiller. <laughs> why, why are you doing this to me? Why? Go. Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying this uh, this movie was a bit of a disappointment. It was a horrible disappointment for me. Um, but oddly enough, this isn't the first Ben Stiller movie that's been a disappointment for me. Night at the Museum. Oh, ah, we didn't. Even, I didn't even think about that. So okay, you. I saw the poster for Night at the Museum, like at the movie theater, or whatever, years ago. And it's just the picture of him, like in the hall. He works. Like he works at Life Magazine, by the way, not Time Magazine. I apologize. Oh, did you say Time? I said Time. I didn't even catch that. Okay, um, go ahead. He. Uh, it's a poster of him, you know, standing like in his night guard uniform, and there's like the museum things that are coming to life and i see the poster i'm like oh my gosh that looks cool i want to go see that and then come yeah. to find out it's just this silly family slapstick ben stiller comedy yes and it could have been so much more so much yeah. more same thing with this like you were saying with the trailer the first trailer you watch it and you're like oh my gosh this is really vague i don't know what they're doing here but i'm really intrigued because a lot we're of talking about the museum or uh i'm on walter mitty now okay um, you see the trailer for Ultra Mini, like all these weird things are happening. This could be really cool, but again, it's just another empty it's just, disappointment. It's a very saddening experience for me because I, I mean, when I sat in the movie theater, I was, uh, you know, no one was in the theater, no one was in there when I got in there. <clears throat> so all I can, all I could think to myself was, well, dang, no one's here. Like, I mean, I guess it's no surprise. I mean, this is kind of a little out of Ben Stiller's normal routine. Right. But, but then the movie started, and I realized, despite some nice cinematography and despite some creative ideas, despite some pretty visuals, uh, at times, it was the same Walter... It was the same Ben Stiller shtick. Yes. Just kind of... It, it was just hidden in this wannabe indie film kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really work. Should we... Uh, I don't know if we should like approach this like plot point by plot point or if we should just talk about like the themes and aspects of it. Well, I guess we might as well go over the whole plot real quick. We'll, we'll tell the whole story, and then we will um, we will discuss it. But we 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 will not be under the story very long. I'll just read the Wikipedia page. Okay. So incoming spoilers. Okay. So uh, Walter Mitty uh, frequently daydreams of fantastic adventures and has a crush on his coworker Cheryl. Uh, photojournalist Sean O'Connell, who works closely with Mitty concerning his submissions, has sent him a package containing his latest negatives and a wallet as a gift in appreciation of Walter's excellent work. Furthermore, that package contains a special photograph, negative 25, that Sean believes captures the quintessence, quintessence of life, and that it should be used for the cover of the magazine's final print issue as it converts to online status. Unfortunately, that specific negative is missing from the package, and Mitty is forced to stall the obnoxious corporate transi transition manager, Ted Hendricks, handling the downsizing. Using the other negatives as clues, Minnie figures out that O'Connell is in Greenland and flies there to find him. 
A bartender in Greenland explains that Sean has already gone onto a ship. To find him, Walter would need to go on a portal postal helicopter, and the pilot is drunkenly singing a karaoke version of Don't You Want Me in the Bar. Don't you want me in the uh, bar? That's a weird part to put in the Wikipedia. But anyway, uh, Walter, Walter declines to fly with the pilot, but imagines Cheryl singing to him Space Oddity. Gains a new confidence and jumps on board the helicopter. You can see how logical this movie is. Already. Nearing the ship, Walter learns the helicopter cannot land. Walter misunderstands the pilot, thinking he has to jump onto the ship where there is a boat nearing to catch him. He dives into the ice-cold, shark-infested waters before he can be brought on board. In doing so, he realizes this whole adventure is actually happening as opposed to his daydreams. Oh. Oh, okay. I just got onto that. Okay. Uh Walter learns that Sean is no longer on the ship, although the sailors remember Sean. Even offering Walter some cake, he left behind to his surprise. Walter's Walter's mother's clementine cake, her specialty. Walter discovers more clues in the wrapping paper. His journey continues to Iceland, where Sean has gone to photograph the volcano. I am not pronouncing that word. Walter is forced to... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Walter is forced to break off the search after receiving a text message calling him back to New York immediately. For his first professional failure in a long career with the magazine, Walter is fired. He is even more disheartened, disheartened, disheartened to find that <laughs> Cheryl, who was let go earlier, seems to have reconciled with her estranged husband. Walter returns home, thoroughly discouraged, and throws away the wallet where, when, his, when he visits his mother, Shirley McLe- played by Shirley MacLaine. To his surprise, she mentions that having met Sean, she told him before, but while daydreaming, he had failed to hear her. Mitty eventually tracks down O'Connell in the Himalayas, trying to photograph a rare snow leopard, and asks about the missing negative. Sean explains that the message about taking a closer look was literal. The negative was in the wallet. Mm-hmm. Walter joins in a soccer game with some locals. He then flies to Los Angeles, but is arrested by airport security and calls the only person he knows in Los Angeles, Todd Mayer, a representative at eHarmony who was kept in contact through his adventures. Walter returns home and helps his mother sell her piano. He mentions he does not have a wallet anymore. Oh, excuse me. Oh. They didn't put when Walter returns home and helps his mother sell her piano. His mother says she was always keeping his knickknacks and she produces the wallet he had thrown out. Without looking at the picture, an emboldened Mitty reach, delivers it to Life magazine. Tells management that it was a photograph Sean O'Connell wanted for the final issue. Berates Hendrix for disrespecting the staff that made the magazine so honored. He calls him a prick. It's really out of place. Yes. Walter reunites with Cheryl when they receive their severance packages and learn that Cheryl's husband was only at her house in order to repair the refrigerator. (laughs) Uh, That's funny as I read it. Heartened by his turn of events, Walter and Cheryl see the final issue of the magazine on the newsstand, with its cover saluting the staff. It is revealed that the photograph shows Walter sitting outside the life building, holding a sheet of negatives up to the light and examining them with an eyepiece. Walter holds Cheryl's hand, and they both walk down the street. (coughs) Pretentious product placement. (coughs) For Life Magazine. For Holding Hands? For Life Magazine. Conan O'Brien was in this movie? Life Magazine. Who? Conan O'Brien? Yeah. 
He, he's he's daydreaming that. in the taxi that he's on the talk show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this movie was kind of lame. Um, I, should I? Do you want to start or should I? I guess I'll start because I was more excited about this movie. Okay. Like at least I think I was. Probably. <laughs> it's like when I saw the trailer, I was hoping the tone of the trailer would be in the movie. But the the, the film that they did, the the trailer has almost like this "Where the Wild Things Are" vibe going on with it. It almost yeah. seems like a fantasy movie in a way. Yeah, it felt. It, yeah, it didn't feel like a real film. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be about. I knew it was going to be about him. You know, him imagining all of this. Right, right. But I thought they were going to do it in a way where it didn't end up just being a movie, like a documentary nature film. <laughs> like the the thing that really bu- bugged me the most was I was I was expecting his fantasies to actually start becoming like reality. Mm. And, um, like the the most that actually happens in the movie is when he is when he travels, um, and I think it would have been a way more exciting movie if his if the things that he was dreaming about were the more robust things. They were the the crazier stuff. I mean, of course, um, of of course. I mean, that would make the movie a little stranger, but. Um, I think I would have heard it to be stranger because it was really cliche. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here. Uh, so like, if you're watching, Wait, did you did you say you were going to interject? Yes. Do you have a problem? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the stage, Mr. Alex Heitz. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow. Okay. Shut up. Shut, stop. Stop. Thank you. Anyway. Um, if you're watching a bad musical and the, you know, it's a very badly paced musical and the songs are boring and don't do anything to really compliment the characters. Um, whenever a song begins, you just think, oh, okay. So now I have to get through two to three minutes. I can go up and go to the bathroom and leave the movie playing. The same thing kind of happens here. (laughs) You can... As soon as you can see an imagination part begin, which is really obvious every time. You can just leave. You just kind of have to wait until it comes back to normal because it's like it, it they're pointless almost. They don't they're do really anything. Pointless. It'd be really it'd be like a big thing if um It's just like it's, it's a way to show off visuals basically. It'd be another thing if the if his little fantasies it was like used in a way to tell the story. Mm-hmm better but like the problem is is there's this big part in the movie where he has a he has a this odd fight with his boss which even at the beginning of the movie feels really out of place um and it leads nowhere because each scene actually literally are you talking about this stupid doll stretchy thing? Yeah, and when I saw that part in the trailer where he's pushing his boss out the window, yeah, I was really excited about that because I was thinking, holy crap, what are they going to do with that? Yeah. And then I saw it, and it was really dumb, and it had an energetic music that would be in a normal 
kind of dumb action movie. I was just waiting for it to end. It like there was, I wasn't invested in that. There's not no reason for me to be invested in that. Story. There, there. Well, there really was no reason to be into the movie at all because the whole, <laughs> especially if you didn't catch that he actually is in reality. Yes. Like when he lands in the sharks, because he points out that he's scared, but you can always get scared in your fantasies, you know. Or I thought maybe he like fell and busted his head open and okay. and is having a nightmare or something. You really don't know when it's supposed to be real or fake or that's that's just the thing. It's like I think what they're trying to do with this movie as it went on is be like his daydreams are what he wishes he could be. But in reality, these are things that like any normal person would be like, if I had the ability to do this, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Because there's a sequence at, near the end of the movie that shows him like in an x-ray machine at the airport. And yeah. it looks like it's an imagination part because he gets frisked and they find like a flute on him and he starts playing it like an idiot dancing around and starts beating up the security guards. Yeah. And you're thinking like, okay, this is just him being an idiot in his head. Turns out that actually happens. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, why did he do that? But that's like the dumbest thing you could have done. Why'd you do that? And and it felt really out of place too. Yeah. Because it followed the the emotional highlight of the movie, practically. Yes. Like the scene before it, before he gets messed up with these security guards, is it's like the big line of the movie. It's where he meets Sean O'Connell and he's on the on the mountain and he's taking a photo of this cheetah or something the cgi the cgi snow leopard i thought it was real it looked fake to me did it i don't know maybe maybe because it was maybe because it was um ghost kid maybe it was a ghost cat i mean i mean am i right i mean you know am i right i mean i mean am i right yeah 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 thank you thank you thank you thank you i'll be here all week Thank you, thank you. Anyway, so the, I I had a I had a big problem with that because it, it was like this really nice moment almost. It was cheesy, a little schmaltzy, but it was nice. It was calm. At the at, but at this point, I really wanted the movie to be over. Mm-hmm. But but then it cuts, and I thought the movie was over. And all of a sudden, this 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 X-ray thing comes up, and it's really cartoony. And the, the problem with it, it doesn't look like um, X-ray footage. It looks like cartoon footage of skeletons, like fighting. Yeah, it's all clearly CGI. And there's like this part where he, one of the guards, picks up Walter and throws him on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like it's this movie is awkwardly paced. It's very strange, yeah. It's it, weird. It goes it goes off the rails like big time at, at points of the movie. I mean like it goes from boring to it's so boring that you can't like a mat you can't really Pick it, point it out, and and what's what's really disappointing, really disappointing, is that the most exciting scenes of the entire movie are some of those some of the most boring. Yeah, like there was this part where a volcano erupts, 
and he has to escape it on his on, on in a car. And it's supposed to be exciting, you know, and adventurous. And we just don't care. You don't care because at that point, I didn't know if it was really happening. Because if it wasn't, I don't. I to this day, I don't know if it really happened. Even reading after reading the synopsis, I don't know if it happened. I don't either. Um, it was, yeah, it was just kind of. But so, so the deal with that is, is if it wasn't real, why are we supposed to be scared that she might that he might die by it? Like that he might get hit with that, it. That's the thing. It's like it's the big problem that people have with the movie Sucker Punch. Is oh if, yeah, if you're blurring yeah. the line between reality and fantasy, your the vulnerability of your characters goes out the window, and therefore all your tension does too. Yeah, and that's a really, really big problem. problem. Yeah. Um. Oh, that was a fart. Good job. Good clap, clap. Good to clap. Oh, wait, wait. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, yeah. Am I right? Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Yeah, they love me. They do. Um, so I'm trying to think of another movie that kind of does what Walter Mitty did, where there was a lot of fantasy going on. Or a lot of things that weren't actually happening. The first movie that popped in my head was Fight Club, hmm. where all of these things that were in his head weren't happening. All the things that he imagined weren't happening, but but, but at the same time they were. So I think Walter Mitty would have been a much better movie if these things weren't literally happening but when he wakes up from his days they really happened but like in a different context like when he jumps and saves the cat from the from the house from the burning building why didn't they take it so in reality he like picked up a cat from getting hit by a car or something you know what i mean like what you like that yeah like straight up it would have made more sense. It's like I I know this is based on, a, on an old story from like the forties, and but 30. nowadays, yeah, the story has changed a little bit. You know, people have to have like back then you could get away with just making a movie that was exciting because back then movies, in all honesty, didn't really have danger to it. I mean, it did. Well, this because I mean, this was made into a movie in the forties. Yeah, it was, and I, I still want to watch it, because David Fincher pointed it out in the Fight Club review, actually. And he actually, I can't believe I just thought of this, uh, he referenced The Secret Life of Walter Mitty multiple times in, uh, the fight, in fight Club. Um, and that was, a, each time, Jack was, was thinking of something, especially the penguins part. The penguins part, that's what I remember, in the comic the penguin part was, was, he said he came up with the idea from, from the 1940s, uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty movie. Wow. And now now it makes sense why I compared them. So it's like maybe the old movie did that better. Maybe maybe it actually did maybe his dream served a purpose. Maybe his fantasy served a purpose. Um because I thought like like the whole doll thing and the whole um see, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of another one. It's it's like what you just said. It's if only he had been like daydreaming he was doing something grander 
than what he actually was doing. But what happens is, as soon as he starts daydreaming, and you, like I said, you can tell it every time it starts, you know yeah. he's just going to be standing in the same place when it's yeah. over. So it gets boring. Yeah. And you, visuals aren't fun, and they aren't exciting if... You don't have anything anchoring them down. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> I'm trying to... There was one. There was one part in the movie that really confused me. It was when he started. He 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 took the kid's skateboard and he was like, "Here, let me show you some tricks." Mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was really happening because the way it was shot and it was like CG. It looked CGI. It looked like it wasn't happening. It looked a little fake, yeah. And the the thing that happened that I thought was, if he is so awkward and so like uncoordinated. How come he can skateboard like that? Okay, can we talk about the character of Walter for a second? Yeah, who is he? Well, I guess we're done with that. <laughs> I just, I can't really point out who he is. So you, you, okay, you never do. I understand that they're trying to do, you know, awkward, quiet guy. Has trouble connecting with other people. Daydreams that he's grander than he really is. Okay, that's fine, whatever. That's but, fine. Yeah, it's good. But Ben Stiller brought nothing to this guy. This guy doesn't and, react to anything. He has no emotions. And and Ben Stiller directed it. Yeah, it's like, dude, come on. You should you should know better. It, it was like, like like seriously, like he doesn't like danger and stuff. He like he just doesn't care. Like his goal wasn't clear. And you know what the other thing was? I don't think his goal as a as a character was very exciting. I think if you have a character whose who's, who's big problem in life and his big flaw is that he daydreams too much, you should give him a much bigger goal here. Or one that's more personal and rather business-oriented and less business-oriented. Because it's like it should have been more getting this girl, you know, and not anything involving the the douchebag boss Life who we'll be we will talk about in a second. That douchebag boss really got on my nerves. Um and like if it, 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 it was simply get the girl and the movie was just as simple as that, I think I would have liked this movie a lot more. If it was just an hour and 30 minutes of him daydreaming of how to get this girl and progressively you know, fighting the bad guy, you know, in that. But he's thinking of it. But in another way, like when the thing is over, it's, it was just this big argument. You see, I don't have a problem with like, I don't have the problem with the whole him going to other places and traveling thing. But I feel like it, it didn't work in this movie. Yeah. It was just, yeah. I didn't mind that either. But... It didn't feel special or anything. I want to see what the original film was. The short um, story is basically this guy who like, daydreams in oh, like one day. Like he daydreams well, when he wakes up. He daydreams when he has, he's at the grocery store. Blah blah blah, and that's it. Like it. Like that's it. So I'm gonna read the movie story. Okay. I, I'm. I mean, it's a '40s movie. There's really nothing surprising that's gonna happen. But here's the deal. 
Uh, it says Walter Mitty is an inconsequential guy from Perth, Amboy, New Jersey, henpecked and harassed by everyone in his life, including his bossy mother, his overbearing, idea-stealing boss, Bruce Pierce, his childishly dim-witted fiance, Gertrude Griswold, and Gertrude's obnoxious would-be suitor, Tubby Wadsworth, and loudmouth mother, Mrs. Griswold. His escape from their incessant, incessant needling, the guy who wrote this has a great vocabulary, <laughs> is to imagine all sorts of exciting and impossible lives for himself, fueled perhaps by the pulp magazines he reads every day as an editor at the Pierce Publishing Company, but his, daydream, but his dreams only seem to land him in more trouble. In one scene, while, while stoking the heating boiler, he dreams what it would be like to be an RAF fighter pilot. He's wakened from the stage dream by his mother, who orders him to come to dinner. Believing he's still a British fighter pilot, he salutes and places a red-hot poker under his arm, only to burn a hole in his suit jacket. That is the problem with Walter Mitty. There when he go. daydreams, nothing is nothing happens. It's like he daydreams something. Okay, there are no callbacks to his dreams either. Like it doesn't. He doesn't have these dreams, and then later on, something similar happens. Okay, dude. You're absolutely right, but what the heck was up with that creepy Benjamin Button thing? I forgot <laughs> about that. That was weird. That made no sense. Oh, let me let me let me finish this old movie real quick. Okay, okay, we'll get back to that. Okay, things become much more complicated when he runs into a mysterious woman, R Rosalind Van Horn, who just happens to perfectly resemble the girl of his dreams. Rosalind is working with her uncle, Peter Van Horn, to help touch crown jewels hidden from the Nazis during World War II. Caught up in real-life adventure that seems unbelievable to him, Walter attempts to hide his double life from his mundane family and friends. Eventually, he acquires the courage to stand up to those who kick around him. Kick him around. You see, it's like, if his daydreaming helped him on this adventure, it would be a way different thing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They did nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. They, they happened really randomly, and they were never discussed again. Okay, think about this. Think about this. I'm thinking. Uh, think, think strong and hard. If you, you could have... Okay, the daydreams have no... Apart from just, like... A fun way to shoot some scenes. No purpose in the story whatsoever. You could have taken away the fact that he daydreams, and just had him it would be have like been the same this, story. Had him be this this Life magazine guy who goes to this place to get a picture. Okay, like it, it would you would have completely the same. You would have gotten the same thing, but you wouldn't have gotten this confusion and boredom from this daydreaming stuff. You know what? You know what? What I th I may do a project on this. Okay. I may edit the movie that takes every single daydream oh. the movie and see how long it is, and see if it affects the movie at all. Dude, like, just have these random shots of him. It would it would have the whole random shots of him going like staring into space, or I would take those out. But I guarantee you, it would be the same movie. That's and wow. It's like the the, fan, the Phantom edit. Yes, the, like, dude, this is a perfect example of a poor adaptation when the story you build around it doesn't even use like the vital 
component of the it's story. It's the big, it's the big important part of it, and they don't even use it right. Yeah. Wow. It, it it's like it's like making a western without like gunfights or something. Pretty much. Without it's making a certain genre and doing nothing with it. So um, now we're going to talk about the dialogue, which is some of the most awkward I've ever seen in a movie in probably a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, Brad, hey. Hey, 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 Alex, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, did, you, uh, did you see those? I left the negatives on, like, your desk or something. I, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I got them. I got them, but I just, um, I, um, um... Did you, oh, oh sorry. Uh, did you get uh, Sean Penn's address, or is that, like... Oh, no, 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 I, I didn't. It, uh, it, it should be here eventually, though. Hey, guys, how are you doing? You doing pretty good? Uh, hi. Doing pretty good? Yeah, I'm, I'm the douchey boss. I, uh... Yeah, hey. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be going now. I got some uh, some work to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be doing that work, you know, because you're really hard. You know, you're a hard worker. You know. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I try. Anyway, uh, see ya. That's how they talk. The whole movie. The whole damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's every conversation, and it's so annoying. It's it's not like. It's not like separated. It's not like there's not like a time where they just have a nice conversation with with well-written dialogue that flows well. Yeah, I know. Everything it's... has to feel awkward and monotonous and weird. It's so awkward. And and the the, the big problem is there's it's like here's here's another problem. Not only that, but they all sound the same too. Mm-hmm. Like they all talk like that. There's no separation. There's there's no even the girl talks like it. It's like Ben Stiller didn't understand that people have differing personalities. But yeah, it was it was just kind of just kind of like that. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's that's the main problem with this movie is that like. Especially Walter Mitty, he, like I said, I know they're trying to like make him, you know, and it seems like this is the way it is in the '40s movie, is that like he's you know quiet, like you know his life kind of gets stepped on a little bit, you know he has all those traits, but like Ben Stiller, this guy just like there's no personality to him. Well, I mean back then, especially in the in 1940, um, or whenever it was released, you could kind of get away with a less identifiable character mm-hmm. because back then, most movies were were escapist entertainment. Not, they weren't all art. And plus, it, this was a family... It wasn't until Citizen Kane that people really knew that what they could do with the medium. Well, this was after. Was it? And, yeah, it, I, mean, well, I mean, it was even before Kane. Um, I mean, it was probably... It was way before Kane. I mean, art, I mean, film has always been an art, but, you know, back then you could get away with just making escapist entertainment and people would, wouldn't judge it or trash it because it was, because it wasn't like amazing, you know, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have to have perfect characters. Like even in the eighties, 
You didn't have to. Like, Evil Dead, the original one, wouldn't make it alive today. Because, practically, every, I mean, it's just a bunch of teenagers. Right. It, it, like, now, it's all been done. But here you have a movie where you really have an opportunity to, to make something really different and really neat, especially with the effects that, we, that, is, that are provided for today in today's world and, and uh, the money and everything. And then you take it and you just make it kind of a, like a boring mess. And that's that's another that's that's like the big issue is that it was boring. It just it wasn't engaging. There was like no reason for me to care about anything really. When you don't, I want. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, it's like when you don't have. It's like like I said, I like I understand what you said about like you know characters back in the day were a little more stripped back. Um, you know, it was just kind of like they were fun movies. Yeah. But, like, I needed Walter to have a little bit more personality to him. But here's the weird thing. What they did add to him didn't work for his character. It's like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I worked at Papa John's, had a mohawk, and skateboarded. Yeah. It, it didn't make any sense. It's like, that didn't make any sense for a backstory. It's like that's completely opposite of what you are now. I mean that I mean that happens a lot. But if he was a skater punk like back in the day, don't you think like he would be way less awkward than he is now? Skater punks they're angsty, but they had a lot of friends. The skater world, I know about it. I I have a lot of friends who skate a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean I mean they skate a lot and they had a lot of skate friends. You, if you had skate friends, you had skate friends. And that's all you did. Especially the big skaters. Pretty much. The ones who really wanted to be skaters. All they did was skate with their friends. And so the big problem with it is, you can't imagine this guy being that when he was younger. Because, I mean, in all honesty, how can you? I mean, if, if that's like his only identifiable trait, is that... Then, the movie's just kind of dull. Then, like I would have almost preferred a more cliche backstory of like, I don't even know what, like he was abused or something, anything I like that. That I would have made sense. More, it would have made more sense if he was the awkward kid. You know, he grew up, and um, you know, he grew up in his, uh, in his school. He took pictures. Um, no one else was kind of into that. He was really quiet, didn't have many friends, you know, all of that. It would make, it makes sense for him to end up where he was now from yeah. that kind of backstory. Sure. Cliche, whatever, but it's, it's better than being a skater mohawk guy who worked at Papa John's. <laughs> I mean, it just, it doesn't add up. It feels really awkward. Very awkward. So I'm going to go to our next conversation. Okay. What about Unless you that? had something else to say. No, I'm, I'm done with characters. There's not that much to say. Well, we have another character to discuss. Ooh, okay, who? That's the douchey boss. Okay, we're on, we're on douche boss now. Okay, this guy... So out of place. He did not feel like... He, did, he didn't feel like he belonged in this movie at all. No. And it wasn't just the character, it was the casting... 
It's like this guy, when I saw him in the trailer, I was I was like, okay. I, th- I thought because of how he was like edited in the trailer, he like flicks something at him in the next shot. He's just like, he, he has like this kind of face of like, oops. You know? Yeah. Just It was like a high face, you know? Uh-huh. But then they take it, and it does this scene where he's like, hey, look, I wonder if he'll move if I throw this at him. And then he throws it, and he goes, oh, oh, I oh, I did not mean to do that. Man, oof. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it just... It, like, like, it, it really infuriates me. I really want to watch the trailer again and cry, because... The original trailer is so good. He, he, it's what he looks. It, it, so, go ahead. In the trailer, he looks like he's like just a mean coworker. Yeah, not a bot. Not like this guy who comes take, in and just is a jerk to everybody. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping was that he was just kind of the douche, and you know the it was obviously he's wearing a fake beard, and I figured you know that would just be kind of a part of the whole fantastical feeling of the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was. Yeah. It just made it, it. It was used to make him look like a douche. And to and, make a stupid Dumbledore joke. Oh, I forgot about the Dumbledore which, joke, which I did not find funny in the least. Nothing. I didn't laugh once in this movie. Like, the the thing is, is when I did laugh, it was like awkward laughter. I like smiled like, twice. That's like all I did. I, it, it was just, it was like a smirk. I never really laughed. And that's another, that's a, that's a big problem with it. It's like. Because it tries to be funny. But it doesn't work. It's not doing it right, though. And the, 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 at the end of the movie, um,. Walter Mitty walks into a business meeting that has the bad guy in it, and he starts telling him this stuff. And then he call then Walter Mitty calls him a prick. Oh, he, no! Or uh, he says, "Or a dick." This is the line, actually. Um. Uh. You got, you got it. Yeah, this is it. This is the entire scene. Walter Mini walks in and he says, hey, do you know our motto? And Ted Hendricks says, life. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving it. Hearty heart. Um, then joke. Walter says, he says, that's not it. That's McDonald's. The next thing he... Next, <laughs> this is so awkward. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Th- that, now that, I, I will admit, that, that was the way Ben Stiller worded it was kind of funny. Yeah, it was kind of funny. But it, he then, it, but then it like totally trails off, and it goes this thing that you do, Ted, where you come into a place and push people out. You should know those people really worked hard to build this magazine. They believed in the motto, in the motto, and I get it. You've got your marching orders, and you have to do what you do. But you don't have to be such a dick. Put that on your plaque and hang it in your next, hang it at your next job. It felt really weird. I agree. It, it was. Especially in the movies, since the movie's PG thirteen, is PG. No kidding. It was like, uh, I don't know. I. Um, it just I. There was a lot of big problems. It just it was very inconsistent in its tone. In a yeah, lot of ways. That, that, that was that was like the big thing was you didn't. You really didn't know when. 
<laughs> you didn't know what you're supposed to feel. No. It's a very like, awkward movie. Am I, am I supposed to feel sad? Am I supposed to feel happy for him? Am I supposed to feel uh, am I supposed to feel uncomfortably awkward like this bad guy is like he's that bad guy who puts his hands on people's legs when he's telling them that they're going to get fired and stuff. It just felt really weird. Like the whole feeling I had throughout the movie was like confused, hopeful intrigue. It's like yeah. it's like it's like where is this going? It's yeah, I was not going anywhere. And okay. and not only and not only that, but the ending was so bad. I I was disappointed in the ending. You were about to say something. Um we paused this movie, like I think it was right after the volcano scene. We paused the movie and I'm thinking, okay, we're like an hour and a half in. We paused the movie, it's like an hour ten minutes, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what? It was only an hour and ten there? Yeah. Oh my god. It felt like that was the complete movie. That's how boring it was in the beginning. Like okay it really... Bradley and I don't mind slow movies. I we've no, seen The Deer no. Hunter. Bradley's seen Lawrence of Arabia. This was boring. It, it's it's different if your movie's slow paced and it keeps your interest, like 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 a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. All of his movies are really slow. Magnolia uh-huh. is engaging from beginning to end. Yeah, and Boogie Nights is really exciting, and Punch Drunk Love is really fun, and There Will Be Blood's really fun. Uh, they're all really dark movies and, and a certain core, but they, they keep you they keep you like going. Hey, watch watch me. Um, in most movies from like 30s to the 40, for, to the 50s, pretty much all of them are really slow because they were made at a different time with editing and um, in acting. But me and Alex recently watched a movie. We didn't watch it together, but uh, we watched a movie called uh, The Lost Weekend, which is a Billy Wilder movie. Yes. It's only an hour and 30, but uh, or it's an, it's an hour and 40. Um, and it's fairly slow. It, 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 it kind it, of feels like a two-hour movie. Yeah, it feels a lot longer than it actually is. But you're so into it, and the characters are really interesting. And you're—I mean, the main character—he's—it's—it's it's about an alcoholic, and the way he handles his alcoholism is really interesting. And the dialogue is great, and the cinematography is great, and the—I think—I think it had some cool music or something. Um, Going back to an old filmhead episode. Uh, movie that we did something like Django which is it's almost three hours isn't it yeah that movie does not feel like a three-hour movie no it doesn't. See, it's weird there's like there's movies that feel longer than they are there's movies that are engaging but kind of feel their length yeah and then there's engaging movies that don't feel their length exactly Walter Mitty was the lesser Walter- of these Walter Mitty felt like a combination of like the worst things we just described. Not only did it feel its length, but it was really boring and really dull. Mm-hmm. And I don't, to be honest, I really don't. <sighs> Here, here's the deal. Okay, um, hold on. Okay. Okay. Film head podcast. Welcome. Uh, never mind. Um, so, it's like it would be totally different if 
this movie had Owen Wilson in it playing the role mm-hmm. um, because he was the replacement for Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey was going to play the role. And I feel that if Owen Wilson played the role, um, it would have been a much better film. I wholeheartedly agree. And if um, and if the director of Wedding Crashers did it, um, and uh, um, now, okay, I'm looking on Wikipedia. Apparently, um, Sarah uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play the lead at one point, yeah. and Gore Verbinski yeah. was going to direct it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Gore Verbinski gets, gets kicked off a lot of movies. He does, man. He really does. Poor, poor, poor Gore. That movie needed a lot more Gore and a lot less Verbinski. Oh. Did, did you ever watch uh, Ask a Ninja? Yeah, man. Your Your question was in there. Yeah, well, he talked about Pirates of the Caribbean once, and he reviewed Dead Man's Chest. And when he reviewed At World's End, he goes, this is completely off topic, kids. Um, He goes, I just saw Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Well, it turns out it was the same movie as the last one. So I'm just going to show you that review again. Enjoy! (laughs) (laughs) It seems every single role in the movie was played by women. Excluding the the casting of Kira Knightley, everyone in the movie was a woman. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, just great. Go watch it, everyone. Apparently, this movie was directed by Gore Verbinski. But if I can say one thing, this movie could have used a lot more gore and a lot less Verbinski. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Lordy, lordy. So, I. F- I was disappointed in the end of this movie. Wait. What? Wait. What? Wait. What? I promise you. Okay. What are Just you, wait. What are you promising me? Laffy Taffy? Is this the Walter Mitty soundtrack? No, this is. <laughs> Did I kill you? You may really have. I think I think I zapped you. <laughs> you mean okay, talk about the ending of the movie, please. Okay, um wow. I need to recollect myself. So the ending of the movie, right, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, this stupid 25-picture MacGuffin is driving the movie here. What is it going to be? Like, is it going to end up being, like, the picture? Oh, yeah, the picture. The it's picture. like, was it going to be, like, a blank picture? I was like, how pretentious is this 25-picture going to be? And not only was I let down by what it was, but I was like... Really? <laughs> this whole plot has just, like, it's ended up... It, can, it continued to disappoint more and more and more. <laughs> it got... It, it just continued to get worse. And then the picture shows up. And it's like, oh, it's Walter. 
it's like I would have been way more satisfied if they did not even show the picture. I I would have preferred it that way, honestly. Because I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it because I Espe- thought, especially after the conversation with Sean and like the wallet's yeah, been thrown away, you you think exactly. like, okay, this is perfect setup for not showing it. It, it. That should have been how it how it happened because I mean, come on, I'm the a, picture is just him I'm looking gonna, at a picture. I'm gonna compare this movie to her wow. for a second. Yeah. Um, okay. In her, Joaquin Phoenix works at a. Even though this place isn't the the focal point of her, it's kind of the same thing. But it's like he works at a place where you know he writes letters for people, right? Yeah. That uh, that's just his job. It's part of who he is, and that's all it is in the movie. Now, even though the whole movie of Walter Mitty centers around life magazine. Yeah. I was disappointed that this MacGuffin that we've been running through this whole movie to get ends up just being this little picture. That's just kind of promoting life magazine. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's just where it ends up. It's not like anything special fancy. It's just like, boom, life magazine is great. The end. (laughs) Like, that's seriously what it was. I I really don't know what the movie was trying to tell anybody either. Either you know, like, it, it felt like it was trying to be like you know, carpe diem, seize the day, but then it ends on that stupid life note. So it's like I don't even know. It was confusing. I, 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 I've, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. That's. Dude, is there anything else you want to say about this steaming pile? The secret life of Walter. She, she, she. Don't 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 you mean this the steaming pile of Walter Mitty? The steaming life. This the the, <laughs> the steam the steamy life of Walter's Mitty. The steamy wife of Walter Mitty. That's gonna be the porn spinoff. No, no the, the 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 porn one is the the secret life of Walter's Mitty. <laughs> <laughs> we're done here folks we're this done movie stinky yeah uh we just we're at an hour or two minutes but we have nothing more to say i have i have something else to say okay will this will this close off our our podcast yes okay go for it ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us on pod on film head podcast oh wait what oh hold on Be sure to Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. This will be on YouTube as well. Look for our article in Life magazine. But seriously, um, we're gonna hopefully we'll be doing more of these soon because it's been long overdue with us taking a weekend break. Yeah, yes. So uh, expect one of these tomorrow as well. Coming soon to a theater near you. Inherent bias.
Johnny Greenwood. I've abandoned my milkshake. 